Thank you, worship team, for so beautifully leading us to recognize the presence of Jesus in this room. Before we get to our message, uh, I would just like to lead us in a time of prayer for the firefighters in our province and in the Northwest Territories, and uh, just for God to come to their aid as they make sacrifices to keep those fires at bay. I remember seeing... uh, was it Broadland, Jason Broadland, the fire chief of Kelowna, and uh, Johnson, I forget his first name, Nelson Johnson, of the fire chief of, of, of Yellowknife, just uh, pouring their hearts out for support, asking for support. And, and uh, we can support them this way through prayer. So let's pause and quiet our hearts and, and just pray for them right now. Lord, I thank you that... We have chiefs of fire departments, and we have capable crews. Thank you for these personal resources, these people who are fighting fires. And I pray that you would help them to maintain their resolve, to maintain their sense of determination. I pray when they feel like fainting, that you would come up underneath them and give them supernatural strength to continue the fight. Thank you that they've saved property and they saved lives. They've been, salvation has been in their work. And I pray that you would assist them in that. You, who are the King of Kings and our Savior, would you come to their aid too and give them that resolve to continue to fight those fires. And Lord, protect them. Put angels all around them and protect them. Enable them to fight those fires without fear of getting hurt. And Lord, I pray. I thank you that it just there have been so few people who have succumbed, but you are keeping them strong. Protect them, Lord. Give them the grace they need to continue fighting the fires. And Lord, I think of friends and family who have primary and secondary residences out in the Okanagan who are, who are facing the threat of great property loss. I pray that you would still their hearts. And comfort them and help them to know that what they have is each other and what they have is you. And Lord, for those who don't know you, I pray that they would connect somehow with somebody who knows and loves you and be able to hear about the peace that can be had, even though we may lose some physical belongings, that Jesus, our Savior, is there. And I pray that somehow there would be hope instilled through those types of dialogues. Lord, send rain. As your word comes down from heaven and waters our hearts today, we need real rain. And Lord, I pray that you would be merciful and uh, bring it and help these firefighters. And Lord, bring, bring those raging flames to a halt. I, do, I pray all these things with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. There have been a number of metaphors used uh, throughout this sermon series about Christ enabling our transformation to become like him. Uh, One time, Jamie used the picture of a plum tree that he planted and how that produced fruit, and he paralleled it with how Christ in our life, in inviting him in, can produce fruit in our lives. In other letters to other churches, Paul used the metaphor of building on a, a, a foundation that is Jesus. And in this, uh, in this 
message today, he's going to talk about divesting ourselves of our former selves, <laughs> our carnal selves, our worldly selves, getting rid of those clothes and putting on Jesus and the clothes that he has. I've got a cartoon here that some of you men in the room may be able to identify with. Today is the day. <laughs> You're not going out like that. Have you heard your girlfriend or your wife say that to you? I have. Uh, you know, when I was a young adult, and uh, I don't know how I managed it, but I managed to get a girlfriend like Lynn, and uh, there were things that she made leave my closet when we got married. They weren't fit for public consumption. <laughs> I've gotten a little better since then. Um, my wife has a great fashion sense. But you know, I'm not the classiest dresser, and there was, there's a time when we need to be reclothed and get a new wardrobe. As well as outer clothing, our hearts and minds have an inner clothing. When you come into a relationship, with God through Jesus, the old clothes have to go. And you need a new set of clothes for your heart and your mind. And today's passage gives us great encouragement in this area. And I've asked my friend Bev to come and read this scripture to us. Just by way of context, I want to remind you before we read this passage of where we've come from as we've um, listened to the Apostle Paul writing from prison to a young congregation at, in Colossae. It's a strong letter because these believers are being influenced by ideas that have the potential to destroy faith. Ideas that imply that Christ is not enough. There's more they need to be doing, more they need to be experiencing. As I read this, I was reminded of a woman that came and asked me to pray with her one time. And she was so distressed but because she said, I'm just not enough. She was discouraged. I'm not enough. And it was a joy to say to her, I'm not either. <laughs> None of us are. We are all without Christ. We are dead. But spiritually, that's why Christ came. He walked right into death and out the other side. And he said, if you will trust me, I'll bring you through too. And my, the life I give is abundant life. All the fullness of God is in Christ and you are complete in him. And that's Paul's message in this letter. Believers are people marked for the resurrection. What a thought. And Paul then clearly calls his readers to live out their holy calling. In view of who's, who you are, of whose you are, and where you're going, um, live out your holy calling. And it's a life characterized by holiness. Now, that is not a word that some of us grew up thinking was a good word. <laughs> it had... Uh, distorted view. But all of God's commands are intended for full, flourishing life. 
He's not a killjoy. He wants us to live fully alive in Christ. And that's what holiness is about. Abundant new creation life in all its grace and joy and vibrant creativity. So hear the word of the Lord. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to one another. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there's no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, Barbian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen holy people, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one, whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of God Christ, dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, singing as you sing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, man. As we begin, uh, let's pray again. You know, it's a good thing to pray. And uh, we prayed for the firefighters. Now we'll pray for illumination from God. Come, Holy Spirit. Bring illumination to these scriptures. Revive our hearts and enable us to renew our commitment to Christ-like living. Nourish us spiritually today that we may be so attached to you that we look and act like you, especially in relationship to those who have no idea who you are. By your transforming, life-giving power, enable us to ref reflect Jesus and his behavior because Christ lives in us. We invite you to make your home in our hearts. 
And may the fruit of our lives reflect the source. God, give us wise minds and spirits to be attuned to your will so that we can acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which you work. Enable us by your Holy Spirit to take off the outfit of carnal selfish living and to put on Jesus and make him attractive to everybody so that everybody gets caught up in the praise of God. Amen. You know, um, like I was mentioning earlier, I had a limited wardrobe when I was a young adult. In fact, I, th- I th- was thinking of getting a side gig and going to parties and standing beside a guy. Here, let me stand beside you so you can look better. And uh, sure enough, the girls would come and talk to that person. <laughs> but seriously, I, I thought, yeah, we could all use a change of clothes. And clothes do make somebody attractive. And later on, we're going to see these lists, a list of things we want to divest ourselves of and a list of things that we want to put on to make us look like Jesus and get, get people attracted to him. Because of the prevailing philosophy of the day of the Colossians, it described as uh, elemental spiritual forces of the world, the Pastor Paul sends this letter Uh, It's about the hope of glory, Jesus. In fact, Jesus is is used four times in the first three verses there. He wants them to reveal the hope of glory so that they're not led by erroneous worldviews anymore that involve legalism, spiritism, or humanism, but the power of the Holy Spirit. It's like Paul is saying, hey, school's out now. Start living as those made alive in Jesus. It's like Paul is saying, that uh, they have to live a life like that with the help of the Holy Spirit. He sent his pastoral friend Epaphras to get them back on track because they were way off track. And what this means, folks, if you haven't already, and there may be some people in the room, if you haven't begun a relationship with Jesus, begin one. Invite him into your life. Make your heart his home. He wants to live in there. I'd like, you, I'd like to introduce you to him if you don't know him. So see me after the service. Make a home for Christ in your heart. He's longing to fill the emptiness that you may feel in your life. But how can we put to death the things described there in our lives? I remember, uh, have you ever been to Castle Fun Park and been at that gopher machine with a mallet and the heads keep popping up? And... After a while, you feel like, unplug the stupid machine. <laughs> I'm never going to win. It seems like these things listed in the scriptures pop up in our lives, even though we give our lives to Jesus. Some of these unpleasant characteristics keep coming up. But what we need to do is let Jesus take the hammer. Our job is, as Romans 12:1 says, You know, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable worship. When we do this, it's like God puts to death sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. And he's the one who hammers them because we can't keep it up. I remember reading a story about C.S. Lewis trying to describe to a, a person who was coming to Christ what it was going to be like. And the person thought, well, I'll invite him into my life and he can make a few cosmetic changes, you know, do some renos and make my life a little better than it is now. And 
Bless his heart, C.S. Lewis said to him, sorry, he's coming with a bulldozer and a wrecking ball. He's taking the whole thing out. He's just leaving the foundation, and he's going to rebuild. And that's the way it is. That's the way things get put to death. We are the ones who make Jesus invite him to make that kind of change. Otherwise, the cosmetic changes are not going to last. Because of all that Jesus has done for us, he gave himself for us that resulted in hope, fullness of life in this life, hope in the life to come, mercy for forgiving us, healing us, uniting us. We need to do our part to clothe ourselves with his character and life. We are set free for a life above reproach. Notice all the mentions of the name of Jesus in this passage. Four in the first three verses, like I said. We have died and are raised with Jesus in the past. We are hidden with Christ in the present, and we are revealed with Jesus in the future. The new life of following him in obedience doesn't depend on our own feeble moral resolve, but comes from being united with him. He's like we're yoked with him. We're going to do this together. That's the picture. So first... That means changing what we think about. When we have this death to self, when we give our lives over to Christ, the thinking can start changing. Proverbs says, as a person thinks, so they are. This begins in the mind. We transfer our heart affections, and we take on a holy mindset. And that means killing off, put to death, he says. That's strong language. Slay it. Don't let it continue to live. May the presence of Christ take over the living in that part of your life. We're to strip off the old clothes, those, vice, those vices which don't look like Jesus. They mainly have to do with sex and a committed relationship in a committed relationship, and they have to do with angry speech. Are those two things that you would say characterize our present culture? Some things don't change, eh? In contrast to pop culture, which has made sex a commodity of getting lots and of good quality, our sexual expression as Christians is not just something we do, but it reflects who we are. Christians are those who always put the rights and needs of others first. They act from love. Many, unfortunately, discover too late in life the difference between lust and love. Lust seeks quick fulfillment, and it's just as quickly sated. Love takes work and deepens over time. Christian sexual behavior has to be controlled by the responsibility for the true welfare of the other person involved in the relationship. Sexual desire is hardwired in us. It's in our human psyche. It's not evil in itself. And I recently read the Song of Solomon, and that shows how beautiful sexual love is. And then Pastor Paul turns to various manifestations of anger, which were destroying the community of believers. Things like anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language. Notice the slide from anger to it coming out in your speech. It wasn't, uh, 
it wasn't so much profanity that he's talking about here, but abusive forms of speech which hurt other people. The main culprit was lying. And because Jesus is truth and he spoke the truth, let's be like him for the sake of the health of our faith community here. Because Jesus is that way we need to speak truth. You know, we may wonder, is it even possible to give up these vices and have them go from vice to virtue with our own willpower? I've thought of that because sometimes anger creeps back in my life. It's rearing its ugly head. It seems those things aren't ended in our lives because they keep coming up. The power, though, comes from our having been, been risen with Christ. There it is. And from the one who raised Jesus from the dead, his Father. Philippians 2.13 says, um, What does it say? <laughs> oh, it's God. Sorry. Here I was, I was memorizing these verses. and It's God who works in you to do what? To will and to do his good pleasure. So it's like there's a teamwork there. He's working in you to will that. And he will give you the ability. And 2 Timothy 2.7. This is a verse you should memorize when you get home. And have it on your mental hard drive. So that you can bring it up when, when you're tempted. It says this. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But of love and of power and a sound mind. Which includes self-discipline. That's the kind of spirit that Jesus has given us. He's given us this fantastic resource. Resort. Uh, sorry, resource to be able to do these things and to be able to include the character of Christ in our living. The second thing we need to change, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm always going to have that qualifying phrase, with the help of the Holy Spirit, it's a garment to put on, is our reaction to others. You know, Jesus lives in every Christian, regardless of what kind of background. In Christ, there's no racial barrier. Just like he said here, there's there's no Greek or Jew. There's no religious barrier, there, whether you're circumcised or not. There's no national barrier, whether you're Scythian or barbarian. <clears throat> and there's no class barrier, slave or free. But Christ is all and in all, as verse 11 says. Being in Christ and not be, is not being from a certain race or class. It's, and it's the only thing that matters. I've heard before somebody said this, and I like the phrase, the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. doesn't matter who you are. When you're standing there, you're the same size to God. Nobody's bigger or better than anybody else. That's why Paul goes on encouraging us, bear with each other. In the world, if someone lets you down, that's often the end of a relationship. I remember one time when I was in Africa and working with a Guinean man by the name of Etienne. And uh, I had this motorcycle, and I wore it out, and I was going to sell it. So I sold it to a Muslim friend of mine, and he came to me very hurt. And he said, why didn't you consider me the pastor first? I said, you already have a motorbike. He said, yes, but there's lots of people in my family who need transportation too. And I said, I apologize to him. I said, sorry for being so selfish. I'll send you my 
Muslim friend, he was close at the time, and you weren't around, and I sold it to him. Please forgive me. And he loved me. He hugged me. And we went on to work together really well. And, but I was very conscious the next time I wanted to sell a motorcycle, let me tell you that. We are to forgive whatever grievances we may have with each other and forgive each other as the Lord Jesus has forgiven us. That's the bottom line. And that kind of forgiveness is a uniquely Christian virtue. Others can forgive, but only Christians have such a solid basis for forgiveness. As C.S. Lewis said, and I love this, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. One word sums up our new set of clothes. It's love. Pastor Paul goes on, over all those other virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So when we're looking at those virtues, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, the engine that makes those go in our lives is love. This is the beauty of Christian community. Jesus bringing about a radical change in our relationships. The way Christians relate is very different from the world, and we should be so attractive. The third change we need to make with the Holy Spirit's help is to make change to our attitude toward Jesus. We're encouraged to be constantly guided by the word of Jesus. Paul says, let the word of Christ, the message, have run of the house. We are to give the message plenty of room in our lives, instructing and directing one another, using good common sense. And sing, sing with all your hearts to God. When the word of the Lord lives in us like this, it's a, it's a natural response. It comes out in areas of our lives when we rejoice. It comes out in areas of teaching and uh, using that word to instruct and live by Everyone in the church, not just the pastors, not just the Bible study leaders or the care group leaders, everyone in the church is exhorted to teach about what they've learned about in their relationship with God. Also, when the word of the Lord lives in us like that, it will come out in, in the area of singing and praise and worship. There's no distinction between the psalms and the hymns and spiritual songs. They're all expressed in praise to God for the good things he has given us. You know, I'm fortunate in, in my office where I, I'm upstairs. Brenda Rollman is on one side. And Matthew Carter, the worship pastor, is on the other side. I feel like I've got better than praise 106.5 on all the time. Matthew's playing his guitar and composing songs. Brenda's singing along with the computer <laughs> on YouTube, and I'm trying to find a song that I can hold a tune for. <laughs> They're inspirational. They make this uh, non-singer want to sing, and because the object of their praise is Jesus. And you know, my special needs granddaughter Stella has taught me a thing or two about praise. I used to get annoyed at her wanting me to turn on YouTube and find all her songs for her. But then I realized this kid, despite her limitations, has a heart for God, and she needs to sing. 
and we find those songs. And you know what our two favorite songs are? Glorious Day by Christian Sandfield. <laughs> we bring down the house with that one. And uh, My Lighthouse. We sing that over and over and over again. And the truth of God is instilled in my life. And I thank God you're still at work. And somebody even with limited abilities like my granddaughter Stella. So how does this affect us? Uh, this encouragement. In view of God's mercy, let's give ourselves to him. <laughs> He's expressed that mercy in so many ways, including getting us right back on the right track, away from erroneous teaching. So I'll come into relationship with Jesus. And like I said, if you want to know what that's about, there's a prayer group here that would love to show you how. Jesus' plan in your life is to live inside you and me and then take that hope to the world. Our mistake is thinking that if we believe and do the right things, that'll draw me close to God. But in actuality, it's our being close to God that allows us to believe and do the right things and even be the people that God calls us to be. The taking off and putting on of new clothes, new patterns of behavior like getting out of the cumbersome stuff and into party clothes. This was an ancient practice, and that's why people wear baptismal gowns, I learned as I was researching this message. They get rid of their old life, they put on a white robe, and they go in the baptismal tank. And so I want to put in a plug here for the next baptism. <laughs> Jamie's ready and waiting to lead you and get you prepared for that. If you haven't taken that important step of obedience then please do. Talk with him about it. Read the scriptures. Know what it's all about. There are certain patterns of behavior that reflect pop culture, and they are the currency of this world, and they remain ignorant of God revealed in Jesus. This taking off the old and putting on Christ is beautifully symbolized in that step of baptism. And the third practical application is, well, it sounds wrong, but in the context, we're going to get undressed today. <laughs> Wouldn't that make a terrible headline for the paper? Pastor encourages congregation to get undressed. But I, I, do, wanna, I do want us to do something practical and real and physical with this teaching today. So, would you please stand up? <laughs> and um, I want you to do an action where you're taking off uh, a clothes. But every time I read one of these, um, I guess, deeds of the flesh, one of these carnal characteristics, I want you to symbolically take it off and try not to hit the person in front of you but make believe take off that and throw it send it to where Jesus tells it to go okay okay so let's take off anger throw it Jesus put that where it belongs 
Let's take off rage. Take it off. Throw it. Jesus, take that where it belongs. Malice, let's take that off. Throw it off. Jesus, take that where it needs to go. Slander, let's take that off too. Throw it. Jesus, take that where it needs to go. Filthy language, get rid of it. Throw it away. Lying, throw it away. Jesus, take that away. And now let's put on the new self with an action of putting on a blouse or a shirt. Lord, we clothe ourselves with compassion, the compassion of Jesus. We want to wear it well. Lord, we put on the garment of kindness. We put that over. We put on, Lord, humility. <laughs> we put on gentleness. And we put on patience. And we bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances we have against each other. We forgive because, Lord, you forgave us. And over all these things, we put on the overcoat of love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let's, let's pray. Lord, help us to live today a life of compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Help us to forgive as you've forgiven each one of us. May peace rule in our hearts. We divest ourselves of the old habits we have, the old sins, the mud in our life, and we invite you into our lives to be our Lord and in, to enjoy life with you in every area of our lives. Amen. Amazing.